Welcome to the Psychic Guys. Tonight we're talking about using remote viewing and psychic abilities to locate missing persons and the victims of crime. We're joined by Elisa Lagana, natural psychic and trained remote viewer who works predicting sports games with private and corporate clients and has worked with law enforcement, families and district attorneys to locate missing persons using remote viewing. Welcome, Elisa. Hi, thanks for having me on. <laughs> so um, I think we, we should kick off with the missing persons, but there's there's lots of other stuff we can talk about tonight. We were just having a really interesting conversation off the air about um, whether you should charge money for doing this, right? Um, so... You always work for free when you do these missing persons cases for law enforcement, right? That's correct. I, I, I have never charged personally. It's always been pro bono. I don't feel like you should charge for, um, you know, families already going through something like that. They don't need to pay for a service like this. Yeah, sure. And the, the results, what I've found when doing missing persons stuff is it's kind of, in a way, it's great to get people closure and locate where somebody is, but that sometimes it's really bad news that comes back, right? And uh, mm -hmm. it seems like not only is it difficult to report that, but it'd be even more difficult to charge somebody a load of money and then go, terrible news, I'm afraid, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Charge. And, and one thing that I didn't share prior to starting was I, I know that feeling of of having somebody missing in my life. I've personally experienced that. I know what that that terror feels like. I know um, I know that pain. And so, you know, for a really long time, anytime I saw something or anytime somebody approached me, I was like, definitely encounter me, I'll help you. And um, but you're absolutely right with giving the bad news. The family is never prepared. You know, even if they think they are, they're not. Mm. Wow. I, I, I didn't know that you'd had personal experience of this. Is that how you found yourself doing this work? No. Um, actually, I was recently interviewed by another um, podcaster, and, and she talked about it in season three of The Extraordinary Project, where I, I started doing missing persons in my late 20s. And it was a famous case in California. I never, I didn't really seek it out, um, but I, I saw the energy. The energy came to me and spoke to me. And I was relating that information to my mom. And she goes, oh, it sounds like this person that's missing. Mm -hmm. And once I heard the word missing, and I don't know if this will ring a bell with either one of you, um, my mind just started going, you know. And, and... After I did that first missing persons case, I went through a period of, I don't want to do missing persons. I didn't want to hear the word missing because once I did hear that word, my mind would automatically want to go and solve it, mm. would want to find the person. Um, when you say the energy came to you, do you mean like the energy of the missing person? Or Yes, yes. I was actually, so on that first time, I was on my treadmill and just kind of moving my body and I saw the, the female there and wow. um, I kind of asked her to leave you know and mm. at that point I had just had like a, a near-death experience a few years before and my my skills my intuitive psychic abilities were exploding you know I already had them since I was a 
very young child. But after that um, near-death experience, things just really started to expand very quickly. And then, um, so yeah, she was there and I wanted her to kind of go away and then she didn't. I said, well, why are you here? And then I just saw everything that happened. I saw I saw what happened to her. And in that particular instance, I saw it like a film. You know, I saw it in front of me, like a piece of uh, activity that I was observing or in that observation mode. And um, and I could definitely identify the perpetrators, um, what was done to her. And then subsequently, I felt when they moved her body, because her body, she was dismembered, and her body was moved into multiple locations. And in the final location, I was like, this is it. I knew this is where she's going to be. This is where she's going to be found. And that was what happened in that case. Did you, in that instance, were you able to get the information to somewhere where it could be of use? Because I know like police get tips from psychics all the time and they're just right. overwhelmed with stuff, right? So they don't want to take... Yeah. So I was young, you know, I was, like I said, my, well, I'm 51 now, so I consider my late 20s to be young. <laughs> I want to go yeah. back. Um, <laughs> I didn't really know at that time what to do with the information. Um, I shared it with my family and my sister was like, you have to call the FBI. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I was like, you do that. And so people were pointing fingers. And, um, but so in that particular case, my, my information wasn't used, but later on, yes, I worked with agency, um, like I said, and, and, um, district attorneys and families where the information was useful. In fact, in one particular case, we were able to find two missing teenagers alive, which for people that do lots of missing persons cases, you know, it's not usually the case. It's usually recovery. Um, and so I was really happy to yeah. to have a situation like that. So how did you start building that relationship with law enforcement where they know they can rely on you to do this in a way that's useful and accurate? Um, so I developed some relationships after formally training in remote viewing. I don't want to say particular names <laughs> without permission, but um, I was asked to do some missing persons cases related to uh -huh, okay. that. Uh, and then I was approached, mostly I was uh, I was approached kind of like, I, I would say by referral, you know, just by mm, one person yeah. who, who knew me, knew my skills, and um, that way, and yeah. just don't them like cases for around the world or specific cases assisting i know it does you've got a story about <laughs> using remote viewing to solve a crime and getting becoming a suspect inadvertently haven't you i mean it, it my very quite first... dangerous <laughs> it wasn't a missing person case it was a uh, a serial rapist in the area here in bath and i was training uh, a group of very talented young uh, lady psychics at the time my first students, 1997, I think it was. And as a practice target, I said, I uh, gave them, uh, you know, the, uh, he was called the Batman rapist at the time because uh, he wore a cap with the Batman symbol on it and he'd raped quite a few women. In fact, to this day, it's one of the unsolved crimes in, in the UK, one of the biggest unsolved crimes. And I, t I tasked them with looking at him and they came back with amazing data. So I sat down one day with them and I said, what do you want me to do with this? And they said, well, you know, let's do something with it. Let's send it to the police. And in my 
early age of naivety, that's what I did. Um, and then the police contacted me and essentially uh, made me a suspect because of the information. And I literally spent the next six months arguing with them because uh, they thought I was a suspect and uh, they wanted DNA samples. And I don't trust the police, so I wouldn't give them a DNA sample. I gave them everything else, like fingerprints and statements and stuff. I just wouldn't let them have my DNA on record. So I had quite, I, I personally, for my first experience in this, have quite a bad time for six months with the local police here in the UK. They were very threatening. Um, yeah, they threatened to raid me at my house, my work office and all kinds of stuff to arrest me. Um, and in the end it just faded away. Um, but that didn't deter me. Uh, and like Elisa, you know, years later I went on to do many hundreds of, uh, missing persons cases myself, but that was working with the police. Um, not in the UK because the police in the UK just aren't interested at all in, in working with any uh, any remote viewers. Well, I had a friend who I grew up with that became a, a district attorney and he, he knew about my skills and, um, you know, he believed in me and trusted me and was working on these cases. So um, he's one of the, the people that asked me for assistance in the past. And yeah. so, you know, um, and then, like I said, just tr trusted vetted referrals and that's another really important thing to kind of reinforce with the audience again i know you guys have posted about that before when you see people say you know i'm looking for somebody and you don't want to give out information um, and and put somebody in jeopardy yeah. and so can i sorry i was gonna ask if, if lisa um did you develop any specific techniques that helped you, uh, you know, because we're talking missing people, Aaron, it's quite hard to locate a missing person, you know, you, especially using remote viewing because you can't, or you tend not to be able to like name houses and streets and, and cities and stuff. Did you come up with any good techniques that allowed you to help locate uh, missing people? Yeah, so um, I usually had a, a first name of somebody and um, I would go to... Uh, the name, and I would I would go to the events just prior to if they had a time or a location that they thought that the individual was missing. I'd I'd go to just prior to the time that they thought that the individual was um, missing, and start to pick up the data there, and then I would uh, go into the body of the of the yeah. individual and experience what they're experiencing. Okay, and so then I could feel like, you know, am I in the ground? Am I, yeah. what's happened to me? And sometimes I just go back and forth between, I move in and out. Mm -hmm. And I would look up and around and um, from the victim mode and, and be able to give a description of the perpetrators and uh, do the best I could to give location, street signs, things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, uh, I mean, from my experience, you know, because I did several hundred of them, mm -hmm. after five years, I had to stop because the majority were tra traumatic and I wasn't going nowhere near as uh, in-depth like like you were. Do, do, does it affect you in any way, uh, you know, doing that amount of people and seeing the kind of things that we, we get to see? You know, that's a very important question that you just asked because um, I I know that there are people that train viewers to do missing persons. And I think that, this is just my personal opinion, that it has to be kind of a calling for the individual to do it. 
because there is, there is that emotional impact that you get. And it's not for everybody. And it's yeah. definitely not for everybody to do a lot of, which you've already mentioned. Uh, I, when I was younger, I had the ability to kind of just move in and out. It didn't bother me so much. You know, I've been doing this for so many years that it has to be a pretty special case for me to get involved now. Uh, and so um, developing my boundaries, having really good detoxing techniques, I think I always had that. But uh, there was just been something about me that I could go in and out. There was just yeah. that, that skill. And it didn't. Because I've done pretty gruesome scenes and yes. um, and then been like, all right, let's go out, you know, let's go to the, so no, it didn't, it didn't stay with me. And um, I felt like there is, there is something about going through that process for me though. And that's that I, when, once I start it, I, I do have to finish it. I have yes. to finish at least the first session, you know, first bit of information. I can't like just drop it and walk away. I need to get that message out or I need to, to get as far as I possibly can. And then, um, and then I can stop. Yeah. What advice would you have for our listeners who might be interested in doing this sort of work about boundary setting? Because I think that's a big one that can benefit people more generally. Yeah. And about detoxing after the fact. Well, I think that no matter who you are, it's probably a good practice to try to work on your boundaries, you know, every day because we think we we have them set nicely, but you know, we all need to practice and and it kind of extended out. And some of the energy exercises I give to my clients are like to just visualize this like hula hoop around your body, like like the color blue and then just try to slowly just expand it out and hold it for as long as you can not too long just like maybe three seconds and then release it and that um that kind of energy exercise i've noticed and other people have noticed it helps them just kind of strengthen that area of um that line of delineation and so that boundary is there for you to say yes you may enter and leave right but you can't stay because that's that's your protection that's your so is that, that exercise is about establishing like your psychic personal space if you like is it right and even when i do other type of sessions if an energy is gonna try to come through and talk to me they have to follow the rules of like you have to stay to the side right there if they don't follow the rules i'm not gonna yeah engage. yeah so those are things that they should kind of establish from the beginning or at least as as early as you can because you will evolve techniques i mean my missing persons and solving crimes technique has evolved and it continues to evolve over the years um but you need to kind of establish your roles with yourself as yeah. quickly as possible so what about the emotional impacts because not just missing persons but traumatic remote viewing targets in general especially for beginners can be deeply traumatic and affect mm -hmm. you for days or even weeks afterwards, you know, you can really suffer from target content kind of staying around. How do you deal with experiencing what these horrible experiences that people have had? And you said you kind of merge with them and experience what they've experienced. Right. And then you're like, let's go out. Right. So right. how do we, how do we have the well, jump between those two states? You know, it could also be because I'm in the medical field too, and that I, there are people that can deal with health issues or that kind of kind of energy realm a little bit better 
then, you know, I, if it was for an animal, I would just be like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't, um, I can only speak for myself, but the, I, I would say that it, I might be putting a little bit of that doctor hat on, like I'm going to just deal with this and then step out of it. And so, so that's really interesting. So it's that kind of like trained detachment that you have to have. Right. Like they teach you in residency and, yeah. and they teach oh, you really like, you know, when you take a formal remote viewing, uh, training course and things like mm. that and unless you naturally know how to do it which i, yeah. I don't think well, you, you could be like a psychopath as well that'd probably be okay but yeah perhaps wouldn't be drawn to this kind of work so. <laughs> yeah, no i don't think so i i i mean i've read other people writing about how they did a target and it was like it really affected them and i've never had that problem so i i've I've felt things like I've I've felt intense energy and mm. just said I need to disengage for a while. But I've never felt like it linger with me, cause me trauma, like you've, I've read other people. You've had psychic abilities for your whole life though, right? So from yes. being a child. So I guess you've mm. grown into those over time, do you, do you think? Because I mean, for me, I was like psychic as a brick five or six years ago. I had no experience with this stuff. So when I yeah. first started out, I did a couple of targets, um, just pulling random from a training pool. I got like the Hiroshima bombing and then uh, the Waco massacre back to back. Oh. And I was just there like, ah, for days. It really messed me up, you know, because, but I hadn't set boundaries. I hadn't experienced traumatic target content before. So right. I just didn't have that habit of keeping things at a distance. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think your early life experience, which maybe you can talk about in a minute, contributes yeah, to your ability I'm sure. to step I'm back? Sure. Absolutely. It has to because, you know, I had sensed the energy since, you know, I was five years old, a little girl. I, I felt energy in the room and then I tried to ignore it and just couldn't. It just was, it was never going to go away. So mm -hmm. I thought, <laughs> uh, well, huh, maybe I can try to understand the language of energy and understand what this is trying to say to me. And, and that's what I kind of have been trying to do for the rest of my life. So I think there is some, at least one kind of entertaining story from your childhood about events that happened <laughs> regarding this, which uh, Josh, who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, has uh, sent me a note saying, don't forget to ask her about that. So, okay. Which didn't, didn't which you try is, to get? Uh, well, <laughs> what I hear is that the Catholic Church tried to recruit you oh, at some yeah. point to do. Yeah, they did. I, yeah. What? <laughs> so I went to the Catholic Church, and um, I went there to talk to them with my mom and my daughter, who's really little, and they separated me from my mother. And brought me upstairs, and they said, "We, you know, we know stuff like this happens, and we would like you to do some work for us, with us." I mean, that's the gist of it. And I was I, appalled. Yeah, I didn't know that I they. Mean, I'm, like... a, I'm a Catholic. I still have my, you know. Mm. I was, yeah. but I was, I was like, I came here to talk to you about what's happening and to get some advice, or I can't remember why we were there, um, but. There's a lot of paranormal activity yeah, when I was little, 
And my, I grew up here in California and my parents had a house in Sicily. They still have that house. And my grandmother's house was just very haunted. And so, um, so that's probably why David, none of this really bothers me too much. (laughs) You know, there was, yeah, we, we grew up around that and, and my mom went to psychics, believed it. She just didn't Mm. want her daughter to be one, I think probably. (laughs) Understandable. Yeah. So do you know what the church wanted you to actually do? Because I was really surprised when I heard that. And I was like, "What? since when does the church need psychics? Right, um, well, what, what, what I, for? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything past the church or um, requesting, but it might have been just to go into somebody's house and do cleansing or to reassure somebody. I've done that. I've gone into somebody's house and like sensed things. It might have been along those lines, but I wasn't interested. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah. Mm. So perhaps they they wanted to put you on the career path to becoming an exorcist or something. Do you think? Or... <laughs> Maybe it sounded a lot. Yeah. It sounded along that line to me. Yeah. And mm. as somebody who my father was not a religious person, and he it, for many years he didn't believe in what I did until I found something for him. You know. <laughs> It was my for my family. It was like convenient for me to be to have my abilities. You know, <laughs> whenever they needed something, when they lost something, you know. Yeah. Um, and, is it like you're only psychic when I've lost my keys? The rest of the time, this is all mumbo jumbo, and I don't believe. Yeah, in it. well, they then, know about it. They know some yeah. of the stuff I did because some of the stuff I've done, which we can talk about later. You know, I had to tell my family. You know, I'm going to be involved in doing these things, um, but. Uh, I don't think it, they could comprehend because they're all kind of in, you know, they're all on a spectrum of being intuitive themselves. They just don't want to step into the realm as deep as me. My sister, one of my sisters has helped me on more than one missing persons case. She's great. Like pick the city, pick the street name, just doesn't want to uh, go too deep. She's not mm. trained, you know, but she just, she knows things. and But she's very vocal about it. I can't do what you do. I don't want to go that far because I do go pretty far. I do in in doing some of these, and I recognize that myself. But you, you have far to be, into the missing persons. Yes, and even focusing on missing persons. So yeah, um, into that as well because you know when you're doing a, I mean it's a crime uh, in crimes too, but when you're doing a missing persons, it's time. You know they want you to find that. It's every second is uh, a year to that family. You know, it's like yeah. you need to find this. It's time is exponentially, you know, it's just like it's expanded in a way that you're, and I don't know about Daz's experiences, but there's been a, a several cases for me where I was viewing all night long on things just multiple times. And I, I was younger, so it was okay. It's <laughs> to make that caveat yeah. on that. Um, I had the energy to do that. Yeah. And also, um, you know, the people who were tasking me, I wasn't going to say no to. Yeah. I don't know if I could say no to them. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, And they they stick with you as well. There, there are two, not all of them, but there are two or three cases that even 12 years later, I still have the names of the people and their faces in, 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 in my head. You know, I still, I still think about them now and again. You know, I wonder what happened. Yeah. And I've done situations multiple times where somebody will be on site 
looking for the body and FaceTime. I don't know if you've done that. And I'll be like, move here, go there. Or, you know, they're taking over my iPad and we're like searching street together. And just, I'm like, turn this way, that way. So it's, you know, real time like that. And so being a viewer, yeah, you can do your session, but then all of a sudden you just start getting asked questions and it's like, go, 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 go. You know, and you have to know. Yeah. They don't take a. There's you don't stop until you, until yeah. you get permission to stop. I find that really helpful in terms of the flow of information when you're in a situation where you can't not do it. You can't be wrong. They're like there just isn't time for anything other than just get the data. I, yeah. I find it really sort of helps focus me, and then I, I surprise myself at how good the data is sometimes in those situations you just mentioned them like taking over your ipad and is that like using google maps or something so they're exploring around going look here look there Mm -hmm. and like how jazz is talking about specific cases like i'm thinking about specific cases right now where you know i was like i felt like okay i'm running down the street you know go down the street and and me and another person are like just trying to find this this individual because yeah. we felt like, you know, she was trapped. And the, so, you know, there's a lot of things that family wants to know or law enforcement or it's like what information can you, what's useful information, right, to give and write down. That might be something we both can talk about as, um, you know, they want to know the conditions of the individual, you know, are they are they deceased or alive and how soon, and, and, um and so if you can, if you still feel like the person's alive, you got to try to find that person as fast as possible. Yeah. And, and then when, when you, that feeling, you know, it's just like doing anything else in, in remote viewing when you know, like, oh, this is the color red. This is the, you can, you can feel the death, you know, when somebody is gone, yeah. you just know. Um, and I, I don't think he'll mind. I don't think he's joining us today, Josh. I have asked. It's I usually do them by myself, but occasionally I do ask for a second viewer. And I met Josh through um, Discord and and really liked him a lot. And we kind of exchanged some information. And I, you know, I asked him, "Would you be interested in doing some cases with me?" And I think he kind of thought, eh, "Yeah," but I don't know if he thought I was serious about it and then i i started to ask him and i think another point that's really good to bring to viewers or at least the ones that are interested in doing this is if you're going to work on cases like this you have to be responsible you know you have to be responsive and josh was he is and uh you know i i try to be known as a viewer that gets back to people and turns in my information on time and so you know it's if you're thinking about doing this kind of work just know that you can't say yes and turn in your information in two and a half weeks or when you feel it feel yeah. up to it it doesn't work like that yeah where were we responsibilities that's that's where we I were i was here. making everybody responsible yeah. for turning in their work <laughs> well it's remote, more remote, viewing, remote viewing isn't it though you know it's one yeah. of those things that um 
you know, there are lives not and you know, there are lives at stake, but there's also families, you know, lives as they go as they move ahead at stake as well, you know, and how you how you interact with them as well. And, you know, in some cases you can I don't know if Elisa's gone for this, but it's just nice when something does get found, um, good or bad, and you know, you know that the family can at least um eventually come to terms with with, with the situation. Yes. Yes, giving them closure. You know, it might not be like closure on their terms or what they wanted, but giving them some kind of closure and information. I know one time I had to tell somebody whose husband went missing, like, he's not, he's just, he just took off, you know, like, he's not coming back. And, and she understood it, accepted it, and she moved on. And so... She stopped the the search, and because yeah. there was a big search for him, mm-hmm. and um, and of course the one of the cases that I worked on with Josh, we found these two missing teenagers alive, and that is just something that you know everybody wants to to yeah. do. You want to you want to give good news to the family. Yeah. Well, in true psychic fashion, I have um, questions yes. from another realm. Okay. Which is, Josh sent me some questions because he couldn't make it. Um, and he asks, can you tell us about your experience working missing persons for the Extraordinary Project podcast? And you'll have to give us some background on this. I have no idea what this was, but um, so you um To tell you guys about my, it's a cold case. Uh, ah, right. So in that, it, so that's a different type of case, right? So it's a cold case. You could take your time. Um this one is by she was been missing for over 20 years i believe oh, yeah. i've done other ones since so it's it's on the extraordinary Pro, uh, project season three the whole season three is just about finding dawn and so right. when i was approached with this project it was from a trusted source who i've done other things with and i said sure let's let's do it and so i i did a quick session and i turned it in and i was like here you go this is what happened for to me in that particular situation it wasn't as complicated as as some of the other ones i've done i think because you know it's just like finding a lock and unlocking it um uh you know i i could tell when you do a lot of these and dads could probably chime in about that it's like you know okay yeah the person was she was going down a path or this is what's happened to her or um there's a lot of this a lot of repetitive information sometimes you get across and so i'm like this one was pretty easy for me to to provide information to them um what is interesting and it's not on the podcast is there was like a another person i believe he's like a, a criminologist who decided to try to solve the crime too so at one point it was like a viewer versus this other guy and who was going to solve it and i wish that she actually put that in because he ended up stepping down and and they just used our information which was turned in and i i drew the location where her body is i felt like she had been dismembered apparently the family sought out other psychics in the past, which provided information that uh, 
had similar data to what I gave, you know, like the as far as the location, like I was describing the trees and and um, that she was in multiple pieces. So there was another person that mentioned those items, but we, we actually went to the location. That's one of the locations where I was on FaceTime and I led the family member to where she could go to to kind of leave something for her sister and a memento and try to find peace. Um, um, there have been several situations where the the person that I've been looking for didn't want to be found. And I don't know if Daz can talk about that too afterwards. And so sometimes when energy doesn't want to be found, you just, you have to wait, you know, it's not going to happen. You have to relay that information to, to the, to whoever you're tasked by. Yeah. And so, um, and in this particular case, I got that sense at first, and then I felt like she was trapped there. She was trapped in the circle and kind of needed to be released, and family was keeping her, you know, there. They were keeping this cycle going, and they had to let her move on. And so I tried to provide steps and uh, and information to help them heal and mm. and accept this yeah. um, so she could, so Dawn could move forward, and they could move forward. And establish a different kind of relationship, and not keep her in that in that trapped victim mode, but back in their heart as the sister and daughter yeah. from before. That's yeah. a really good point. I hadn't considered that before, but it's kind of dogma or well known that you know we've got to let go of people who have died so that they can move on, and that you know it can be really unhealthy for everybody to to not have closure and not grieve and not allow everybody to move on that's a really interesting additional benefit of doing this missing persons kind of work right isn't it? i hadn't thought about it as yes, being to yes. the benefit of the deceased person as well as to the yeah. family that's really cool yes i mean uh, you know if you're able to gather that information and kind of give a message that they want to move on that they need to move on and that they're trapped i mean the family doesn't want somebody to be trapped in a in a place where they they were assaulted or something awful happened to them they want them to they want them to be able to continue their journey forward and that and have the reassurance that they can connect to them at any time and yeah. at home and and it doesn't have to be always associated with that traumatic event so. i think you just mentioned sometimes people don't want to be found um, that's an ethical problem that crops up not just with missing persons um it's like anybody who is an unknown quantity coming and hiring remote viewers and psychics oh i really want to find this person you know they could be an abusive partner in a relationship trying to track down their spouse who's escaped from that you know we've got to be so careful about Please not say. giving out information or you know who we deal with how do you navigate that i mean i know you mostly work with law enforcement but if you're if you're working with individuals and private clients how well, do you personally i have had i have had a client believe me i think we all have had a, a client that asked for too much i had a client recently that i you know was like i'm sorry this is against my you know ethics i can't do this uh, this is uh she she was actually asking me about uh, you know her love partner like who i thought would come into her life or she kind of approached me with a different scene and then it turned into who's my ideal 
uh, person. And then that is like, such it a common so question, ridiculous. Right? if I find it, I'm going to email it to you guys. Cause it was so ridiculous. I shared it with a couple of people. She wanted to know, like she wanted to know his car, make and model, the type of food he ate, his license plate. I was what? like, I'm sorry. I only give this and I'm not kidding. Like I will share it with you guys later privately. <laughs> I said, I only provide this kind of information to law enforcement, like yeah. specific mm. cases from law enforcement. And this is not the case for that. And, and so that's the case of like, I was offered money, you know, would you, so what would, what will you do for money? Will you do that? Yep. And I said, no, absolutely not. Plus some of the questions was like ridiculous, you know, I might, yeah, I'm glad you're <laughs> laughing because I was like, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> No, it was like a thousand questions too, and that happens to some some yeah. of us, right? I mean, they say they. It's like not a healthy way to approach finding how somebody to fall in love with, right? Right. Is it? You know, I got how my list driving the right car. Yep. Check. How real is What's that? What's your shoe I mean, size? You know, flat then, tight, you know. Yeah, you know what? It was like that, and mm. and like, yeah. what is she going to say? I paid this yeah. woman all this money. Yeah. Just, I've been using one. psychics to stalk you for yeah. some time yeah. now. It's great and to finally meet you. That would make any reasonable person <laughs> run for the hills, I would think. I'm not sure, yeah, uh, but I, um, so. I don't know. But I was just like, <laughs> yeah, no. So wow. a lot of it comes up to you know what you would do for money and what you won't, because there are people out there who search for individuals for reward and and do things in a different way and so and there are people out there that you, you know um you can that you can give them money and they'll do whatever you ask them to do and so ultimately you have to live with that so if it's something that you can live with and um but you definitely don't want to put anybody in danger that's yeah. and you have to be able to answer the questions you know <laughs> so at least I want to try to give accurate information. Maybe yeah. the other person doesn't. Well, perhaps, I mean, we know that there are fake psychics and fake intuitives yes. out there. Maybe those people should are be assigned to the people who want to ask unethical things yeah. so that they can just look after each other. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, um, you know, there's always psychics out on the street and stuff. And I find it fun to kind of pop in there and ask for readings and, <laughs> and then, do you give them readings back and be like by the way you know. by the way yeah, yeah i'm one too mm. or like i i went well, i went there once and there was a person who um you know they had a sign that's a psychic and she wasn't even the woman who like it wasn't like i'll just use a name d or she wasn't even madam d you know, so I'm like, where's Madam D for $25? I want my psychic greeting. <laughs> so, um, Have you ever had good results from one of those? I had, when I was younger, when I was younger, I, when I was 16, I actually um, wasn't the person who was going for the, for the reading. My cousin was, and uh, the person who was doing it said, I don't want to talk to my cousin. She wanted to talk to me. And she said a lot of information that I was like, wow. Um, and she said, you can do this. She's the one that told me I was clairvoyant. And then I went home and like looked it up. I write about that. I wrote about that a long time ago that I used my parents' encyclopedia to look up the word clairvoyant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, billions. So, back in the day. 
Well, let's go back to the question. The grim topic now of missing persons and um because I have another question from Josh. Okay. Which um has kind of made me think of another question, right? Because he wants to know where do leads come from, law enforcement, families. But it raises the question about working with families when law enforcement are not friendly to the involvement of psychics and remote viewers. Yeah. And when you've got families reaching out to you and saying, the police haven't found our loved one and we're really desperate, can you help us? What would, would you be happy to work with them in that instance where maybe law enforcement isn't friendly to your involvement? So, you know, the information isn't going to go anywhere, really, in most cases. I, I have worked with families but I always preface it that, you know, if you don't have somebody's ear at law enforcement, it's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, I've been tasked by other people who knew the family very well. So it's, it's, mm. it's kind of special circumstances for me to work with families individually mm. like that I, I would just, I would not encourage people to do that because, mm. It's just not the way to go. You need to you need to have something that you can put forward that's going to be actionable, and it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna help anybody. You know, it's not gonna help the family. Um, first of all, you know, you're gonna give them information that you know, unless you interpret your transcript really really well, they're still not gonna understand. You know, and and um, you know you could you could say yes. Your your son is not alive. This is where you need to look. Uh, please contact the police department. If they've already exhausted their options, or they're not going to, or they they think that they've done their their work on the case, they're not going to go back. Having yeah. information from you know somebody that they don't know isn't just going to isn't going to make them to go go back out into the field again and and start looking. So, I think that. Families need to kind of know ahead of time that they need yeah. to get an investigator involved that's going to listen, law enforcement involved, and let them know their wishes. Now, if their wishes are something that don't align with law enforcement, then your information is just going to sit there. Mm, it's yeah. it's just going to be a piece of paper that they have. And um, I, I, you know, you have to work with people that respect what you do and the information that you're going to give mm -hmm. so i would i would discourage that i you know as much as possible and there are groups like um is it still find me and stuff like that yeah. uh, so you know they can reach out family members can reach out to find me and then get linked with the appropriate individuals yeah. so i encourage that you know the kind of work that i do is is very specific it's very specific kind of cases test me um, what, I, what what makes a case that you would take versus one that you wouldn't when you say the very specific um i would say the person asking me because they they know that um it's it's a serious something serious that needs my needs mm -hmm. additional attention um because there's a lot of viewers out there there's a lot of people that can provide information and my process is different you know yeah, I was trained, but I, I do a little freestyle technique and I, I like to use, I like to record audios. And so, right. um, and sometimes people don't, you know, you have to be willing to, to listen to the process that I go through. And for, 
for some people, um, it's not just reading the data, right? When you hear my voice and I'm and I'm going through the experience of what this individual has experienced, then all of a sudden you're feeling it too. And so, yeah. so would you say that it's it's more people who are going to be able to engage with your process as clients rather than any particular kind of case? Um, I would say both my process, but I would, I would, I would. Like I like I was saying before, I mean, there's so many missing persons out there. I can't go out and be a superhero and and save the world. It would be exhausting on my energy, and so I just it, it would have to be a, a a specific case, something that somebody needs done. So, would you just know intuitively this is a case for me, or do you have criteria? Is it when law enforcement are just stuck and there's, they've got no leads, yeah, or um, yeah. when do you come in? If it comes from a friend, you know, a vetted person that needs that says, Hey Lisa, I need your help. We, mm. we need we need help with this. You know, I'm not gonna say no yeah. to that. Um and so it's 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 more of that. I don't think I've ever said no to a friend that needed help. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned getting exhausted by this, which I think is a big issue for remote mm-hmm. viewers, regardless of whether we're doing stressful stuff like missing persons or if we're just doing normal you know, happy, friendly kinds of targets, you still get kind of drained and worn out by doing too much of this. So how how many missing persons can you do? Do you find that you've got, you know, I can do 10 missing persons in a a quarter and I've still got some energy left over for some other kind of psychic activities? Or do you have like a... I'm glad you asked him kind of knows the process. You know, it's intense. And so um, I... I would say that I end up doing a missing persons every couple months, but I don't want, I don't go out and seek it. So there's a, yeah. there's a difference between the two. And, you know, um, because it is exhausting. And and I've said many times, like, I'm not going to do it. It has to be special for me to do. <laughs> and then, and it's like, as soon as I say that, I get an email that says, you know, I don't know if you've had the same experience, Dad, but it's like, uh, I'll just say, yeah, I'm done doing these, and then I'll I'll get one. I I can't turn it down. I I can't I have to help. I'm afraid I do nowadays. Uh, I could probably get about three a month at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and it's all for it's usually from family members or friends or people that see something happening in their neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not from police themselves, and I yeah, I just ethically can't do can't do them. So I just try to refer them to to people I know working it like Pam. Pam Coronado does yeah. missing people work and and find me group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I turn I literally have for the last several years turned turn every single case down. Mm-hmm. I probably couldn't if if the police came to me or the FBI or someone like that. Right. Um, but individuals, I always turn them down. Yeah, I've I've done it before for an individual who wasn't involved in a case, but they felt like really. I think they'd seen posters that had been put up around their neighborhood for some parents and their child had gone missing. And um, this person, you know, didn't know the family wasn't involved, but they'd kind of got somehow really sucked in and engaged with this. And they were really, I think they'd kind of accidentally dialed themselves into the the emotional, like, miasma of what was going on. And they were talking to me about it. And, what, couldn't we use remote viewing to do this? Couldn't we do it? And and eventually, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it's like, yeah, the kid is dead and they're bricked up inside a wall on some wasteland. And it's like, what the hell do you do with this information now? You yeah. know, like, you can't do anything with it. Right. You're just like, you're not really much less stressed out than you were. 
Right. Why, why have we done this? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm be, stressed out. <laughs> yeah, you have to be very careful. As Elisa said, you know, most people other than law enforcement agencies do not have the resources to action any data you give them anyway. And, mm. you know, you'd have to be very careful because there are some unhinged people out there. So they some someone in some regard, if, if anyone's thinking of doing this kind of work, you, you know, without the help of law enforcement, you might have someone action on the data that you give them and it might end up with, uh, you know, someone being being hurt or, or in, in some way. You know, so you you have to be very careful on on how you approach this kind of work. Hopefully we all have a an intuitive feeling of when it is and is not okay to proceed with work. I don't know about you guys, but I can kind of feel if there's issues with a, yeah. a target before I do it. Yeah. No, I've, I've done some like experimental ways of doing missing persons too. Like we did, um, um, this was associated with agency. I'll just say that, um, where it was like dream work too, to try to find yeah. missing persons. And, um, so that in addition to, uh, the sessions and, and sometimes I was just sent like a, like a text message that was like I had to decipher you know and yeah. so the um I I'm not familiar with the training that I think Pam does training for missing persons doesn't she for viewers um but you know I don't know if they're teaching the students like all these kind of uh, techniques about uh, these the ways that we kind of get information when you're working with various agencies so um I feel like those those sorts of techniques that can be quite specific and they seem to develop just over time as as we practice more as remote viewers and psychics, we kind of we branch out in in terms of what we're doing. Have, yeah. have you found that as well, or were yeah. they like, "No, you're going to dream. You're going to dream." No, actually, this was okay, okay. this was specific. This was specific. <laughs> yeah, this was like um, I think to kind of um, see about a program. So it was specific. Um, so that was more like a research project, was it? Or? No, I think it was maybe a potential of let's see what we can accomplish. Um, like, like, a, like a quad kind of thing, right? Oh, um, right. Do you think that's why they were having this really specific thing because then because they'd written a proposal and gone, we want to see whether we can right. use dreaming well, to blah, Most blah, likely blah. something yeah, along sure. those lines yeah. happened. And yeah. I was available. I, there was a time where I was very open to doing research projects. And so um, so I did I did try that. But my my technique now is is very specific. I mean, I go and I like I was saying before, you know, I try to go to just before the event happened and then um, see what's going on there, what that seems about. And then I go to the the victim, um, locate her body, her, or his body, um, try to find out the status, you know, is it alive, above ground or underground, in water or not, you know, kind of just get that feeling of where I'm at, and then move out and expand from there, move back and forward in time um, of events and write it down. So that's kind of my process. I start with that, and then I start to look at the, the perpetrators. One by one, I'll get descriptive um, unique identifiers um, that are unique to each individual. Uh, and so, um, and, you know, I'll 
sometimes I'll do it like for that time and then how they look now because they've changed, right? And so, um, so things like that, that's useful information for viewers to try to practice. On. Oh, that's a really good point to ask yourself that and look at the changing appearance over the timeline. Uh-huh. I guess if you've committed a terrible crime, the, like the first thing you might do is change your appearance so that you're not matching uh-huh. the description of, yeah, wow, that's a really good point. That's that's happened with yeah. mine. I was like, he doesn't look like that anymore. You know, yeah. yeah. You have to remember as well, you know, some people aren't dead. They're literally on the run. You know, they're missing what? for a reason. So and they change their appearance. You know, every day they're in a different mm. location. So it's, you know, it, in some cases it's very hard to track people because they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah, like victim and perpetrator's appearance. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, not victim, but yeah. the target of your missing person. Well, yeah, I, and I, sometimes I, you work a case and you don't know, uh, you don't know if it's a victim or if it's a perpetrator you're looking for. It's just a missing person that the police are mm. interested in. Um, so it could actually be a perpetrator of a crime. They know the person committed a crime, but they're on the run. They're missing. I had a person like that. I mean, you know, you're saying like cases sticking out in your mind that this person yeah. was a runner. He was running. And yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. with that. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, I kind of go to the events prior. Where is this person? Yeah. Are they in the conditions they're in? You know, um, and that kind of gives me a little bit. Are they, is, you know, is there motion? Are they energy? Are they running? Are they, you know, hunched over? Um, yeah. is it, are they in a dark room? So all those descriptors as much as I can. I was going to say, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to know a little bit about uh, Elisa's um, uh, remote viewing. Uh, do you have any, you know, uh, training in a methodology or a score? You know, do you work, did you, or do you work with any groups, that kind of thing? Yeah. So, you know, I guess I would be considered a natural psychic, but then I did train with John Vivanco um, a long time ago. I think maybe, I, don't know, I can't remember the year, but um and I modified my um, my viewing a little bit afterwards, uh, after working with John. And um, I did, let's see here. I am, um, sorry, my phone. <laughs> and, um, and then I worked with a few individuals that tested me, like for synesthesia and... Um, things like that, and I found that I had um, I scored really high for having synesthesia. And once I kind of noted that, I I changed my my viewing again, um, and it kind of just evolved. And so I work right now with um, Glenn and and Tund for um, doing ARV project with ARV Sports, and then. I kind of do my private clients, and that's about it, I would say. And, I mean, that's public stuff. (laughs) In the past, uh, I think now I can talk about it, and I'll just talk about it. Um, I've done, you know, uh, prevention of mass shootings and counterterrorism work and worked for various agencies and... Um, talk about uh, emotional impact or timing when you're trying to prevent a, a mass shooting or working counterterrorism type of work. That that I think is has a lot of impact on an individual. Yeah. That was during the time when I mean we've been having shootings here in the United States, but they we were trying to stop 
these individuals. And every time I can tell you as a viewer, every time something would happen, you know, I felt like, ah, you know, we couldn't stop that person. And so, um, you kind of have to know your, your limitations and your strengths and what you can do. So, um, but I've done, I've done a lot of different things. I've, I've enjoyed um, doing lots of ARB projects with like John Knowles and research projects. And so um, I've kind of done it all, I think, or I don't know, there might be other things out there to do. Hmm. You said it now, your phone is about to ring with something really weird now. You said that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've done some pretty weird things. What's the weirdest thing you've done? All right, you guys really want to know some weird stuff? Because I've done. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, we're like over an hour in, so this is the reward for all the people. This is for the really dedicated people, right? Who who are listening right to the end, so we can get Uh, completely unhinged at this. Can we try to beat each other? And what's the weirdest things between all three of us? All right, weirdest. I'm not sure I want to say on the air. Wow. I don't know. You guys go first, because I have to judge how weird I can get then. Because I've done some stuff. I've had I've had some things I won't mention the name of the individual where they were like have Elisa do it you know and so I was like okay I'll do it um, uh, so you, I, okay guys come on tell me what you've done I can't think of a single weird weird one it depends what you call weird though doesn't it because for mm. me everything's normal I like That's a good well, I would say then uh, things that most viewers wouldn't get asked to do no <sighs> that's a good way of framing it I've done. Uh, yeah, here's a, a pretty uncontroversial one, like animal communication. What's wrong with my dog? Why does my my dog do this? Uh, and I was on a video. Well, I mean, it's things that viewers don't get asked to do. It's things that psychics do get asked to do. Right? Yes. Um, yes. Okay. But it was that was super fun because I was on like a Zoom call with the dog and the owner, and was talking to the dog and could see the dog reacting and going like, "Oh, what was that?" <laughs> you know. Um, and we actually did sort out the behavioral problems which was really cool and so, the dog was eating filth from down the back of the furniture and it was making us sick um i don't know if this would be considered weird but it's interesting i viewed somebody viewing somebody else's brain have you guys done that viewed somebody no viewing somebody else's and so i just you know wrote it all out and it ended up being um uh for me to view this individual viewing somebody else's brain what, so you remote viewed a remote viewer while they were remote viewing yes. a brain. Mm-hmm. Right. I have remote viewed remote viewers before, and I've seen other remote viewers, remote viewer, remote viewers, and I remote viewed myself while I was remote viewing myself, remote viewing myself. Oh, and they were all quite different and interesting. Um, I've done that. Targets. Mm. Um, yeah, my my tasking for that was just like me now, you know. Um, uh, I was like, oh, is this guy doing this really? What was really interesting was that I had this really strong kind of AI that I really, really liked the person that I was describing, but I didn't recognize that it was me. And I self-censored in my session because I was like, oh, this person's great. I bet, you know, if you went for a beer with them, you'd have really great chats. It'd be so much fun. And then I was like, what if it's Hitler? I better say like, oh, I quite like this person, you know, because you always have that doubt, you know. Yes, yes. Um, but I thought it was so funny how I just didn't recognize myself. Did you put that you're very you're very handsome? Did you put anything like that? <laughs> I didn't. I was describing right. more the activity. Um, yes. I didn't. I, I that was uh, doing TRV quite strictly, um, and that's only up to a certain point. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity for assessing handsomeness because all of that's crammed into stage six of TRV. That's my excuse. Well, I've done things like um, you know. 
uh, stuff that wouldn't be advised to do by most viewers as far as doing too many sessions at once. I asked to do that. I, I was asked to do like 50 sessions in a row and not mm. short ones like I do. Or I won't say short like I do, but I mean, not without. I had to do structure. And for me to do structure, it gives me dyslexia sometimes, you know, mm. it like takes me longer. I can't yep. spell when I'm in, in the zone, right? Um, uh, you guys have seen some of my sessions, like my handwriting gets all. Oh, everybody gets like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sign it's that they're a, on target when yeah. the spelling is just really terrible. I can't and... spell, you know. Yeah. And now I'm worried. Like, I don't want right. to look like I'm an idiot who can't spell. Right. <laughs> uh, it's like it's taken over me to the point where I can't write anymore. Um, mm. Yeah, it, that was hard for me. Um, but um, we were given like uh, these symbols of these two things. And I kind of intuited what they were um, from this project. A lot of research project things that were kind of like um, yeah. not normal, everyday viewing stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. 50 full structured sessions is like such a huge demand. I think if somebody well, asked me to do that, my answer would be absolutely not. Unless you pay me an insane amount oh. of money, which is going to pay for me to go to a spa retreat for like <laughs> weeks afterwards and camper and float in the hot tub and stuff. It's just too much. Yeah. And I did it for free. Wow. Well, the, lesson the, learned. the group that asked, um, that were, the small group that was asked to do it, well, you know, it was kind of just known like we we're just going to do it without compensation. So. Wow. Well, that's a hard no from me. <laughs> um, talking about weird things, we have another a Josh question. Oh, great! And feel free not to answer because I don't know whether you can answer this. Yeah, no problem. Which is for a year or so, you were contracted by a tech company to provide them with psychic consultation and troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, actually, more than one tech company I've worked for, um, and I absolutely can. So um, I'll start with one company where um, I was able to detect that the money was being taken from their founder and um, moved to a different location in, in Europe. And they were like, no, 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 this isn't happening. And then they did an investigation, and yes, it was. So um, I was compensated quite largely for that. Not as large as the guy I was stealing from the company. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was probably one of the biggest payouts that I've ever had was from that one. Um, and then another company was having um, a lot of technical problems with their product. And and so I was asked to kind of find where the problem was. And I, I asked a few people here amongst us to <laughs> assist in that project. And um, you know, it was costing this company, and I, I, I could say the company is Roku, actually. Um, uh, it costs the company a lot of money every day yep. for for them not to be able to get um, this particular device online because it was for a uh, a foreign one of their um, affiliates, and so yeah. this is a big deal. And like engineers were just being trapped inside of the the headquarters in the Silicon Valley and not allowed to leave. And so um, I wrote something <laughs> down and this guy got 
you know, the person um, who asked me to do it got the information and he was like, well, we didn't ask for this. Like you found a problem that we didn't know we had. And I don't know how to tell my boss. <laughs> you, you know, I think you should just tell him because, mm. you know, just tell him what's the worst you can. And so um, he did and he wanted to know where he got the information from. And the same thing happened with the other tech company. You know, their board wanted to know where you're getting this information from. Um, yeah. He said, I hired a viewer and uh, Roku didn't care. They they didn't they didn't care where they got their information from. They were able to help fix. We were able to so, fix it. Um, I was then um, the the other company that I'm talking about. They kind of didn't want to know where the guy was getting the information from. He was like, "You got the information. That's fine." And yeah. we were able to stop a founder because stopping a founder is hard. For apparently, I didn't know about that at the time, but they had to get rid of him. Yeah. And so um, uh, then there was another instance where I worked with the COO of a different company. I, um, I met him through APP and he wanted, uh, so he learned about me through that. Uh, he wanted to use my services. When I did like a personal session for him, I, not for his company, um, it was like uh, life altering and he left his job. Like he, it like changed his life. And so, um, you know, the power of our information is uh, very useful for these companies. Yeah. And you definitely need to um, realize that they have, their, they have their system of gathering information. And so um, I was asked to screen employees. So I think I had mm. that on my website, which is now down. Um, but I was shown picture, photos and asked to pick which person would be the best employee, employee oh, yeah. and why and um uh you know i didn't have a name just i just had a picture they had all the profile information of what kind of um uh technical background they had and so i was like this is this is the person why and then they hired that individual or um yeah. the code was not working right and i'm not a techie person so i might be saying this wrong you guys um but the code wasn't <laughs> working correctly um, I was shown like a sequence and I would just kind of point to places where this is where you need to go. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And save, that... and save a lot of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I mean, when you were, I used to be a software engineer in my uh, past okay. life before I was doing this. Okay. And the amount of time that you can spend looking yes. for a missing semicolon or just right. uh, uh, you or know, something really here. dumb like that. And yes. you can have a little problem which is in the code in one place. And the, the error shows up somewhere completely different. So you're there just banging your head against one. Exactly. Why is and, this that's not, what, you know, and that's what was happening. Complex. That's what was happening mm. with these guys. And so, or I would be asked, like, we have three different teams working on this, which is the team um, that's having, that we have the problem with. And I'd say, you know, you need to focus on this particular location. Um, this is where, this is where the issue is. So. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think that's a really great use for remote viewing and psychic skills is it like is. The, the personal aspects in business where who's uh -huh. going to be a good fit for the team? Is this yeah. person going to skank us if we hire them or are mm -hmm. they actually going to help us? Uh -huh. like, uh, such a powerful view and it's so quick and easy as well. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I worked with celebrity clients too, not a lot. Um, but I've, uh, and I've worked for people who 
were just looking for investors and they would give me like a list of people like, you know, who do you, mm -hmm. who do you think and why? And, and then at that point, it's like, well, I could say, well, this is the, this is the, your best option, but you know, you got to be careful because, you know, why the why is like, you know, am I giving them information that can be influential? And, and yeah. so that's yeah. when the ethics kind of come in. So, you know, it's like, um, yes, I can pick the right person for you to kind of invest with, or it would be the best option for you to move forward with, uh, and you might want to approach it with these words or this, mm -hmm. kind of, this kind of, or just know that this is done. I've had people who were exhausted with their uh, businesses, not sure if they should continue with their businesses with partners and just kind of let them know, you know what, this is over. You need to move on, cut it, cut your losses now. Don't invest anymore. That I think is mm -hmm. really good for yeah. to kind of let people know. Um, as far as financially. Um, I was doing one of those the other day and somebody asked me, um, I got this. I don't, I didn't get feedback on it. It was some kind of aspect of a, a business, like a product or a, some IP or something that, you know, they could potentially sell. And uh, I looked at it psychically and was like, oh my God, every time you try and sell this, it's, it's like lifting this huge weight to get value out of it. It's so like, Wait. it feels abandoned. It's like, oh no, it's just not worth it. You're not going to, in, even if you can make money off it, it's going to suck. You know, your experience is going to suck. It's just cause it's like a Sisyphean task, right? Mm -hmm. um, which I think that's another real big use of this stuff in business is the ability to prioritize and write and go like, I've got 10 things. Where do I put my energy now? Because I've only got so many hours in a day. You know, yeah. it's really great. You know, this is the, this is the place to spend most of your day. Right. If you want an easy life and plenty of money. Mm-hmm. And I have a and the group of, that is never remote viewing, right? I have a group sure, of people easy. that kind of send um, their clients uh, and friends to me. They're like artists and writers and things like that in Chicago and so, New York. And so, um, you know, they're always kind of looking like, should I? They they just want me to like scan their energy and kind of tell them how they are and and you know what next steps in life should be of. Should they pursue? Should they stay where they are? Should they should they venture off into um, uh, creating a new life or a new life path? And so, there's there's that too. Yeah. So I think we've completely gone off the missing persons topic. So oh, well, it doesn't have to be on the missing persons. Yeah. The point of this show is I'm trying to think of an interesting. We get to go and have like a good chat that's oh. going to be interesting for. I mean, we want this to be interesting for people who don't practice but are interested in the field and for people who oh. are, like, training or practicing yeah. learning. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, it's kind of... And what's next for you, then? What's coming up? Do you have any kind of irons in the fire or areas you'd like to go to next? You know, I'd like to just kind of continue to do healing work with people. I've been enjoying that, helping people... Mm with their energy state and their boundaries, like we were talking about earlier, and rebalancing that sort of thing. Um, I, I have done medical intuition in the past, but I'm steering away from that particular thing of scanning the body and finding out, um, you know, ailments, and mm. more kind of just resetting people 
and their energy yeah. skills and kind of just the flow. Cause I think we just, we all forget to just connect again and pull it through. And it sounds silly, but you know, I even have to remind myself to, to do that. So, um, I enjoy that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to fun projects, you know, fun stuff. Yeah. So anything out there that, um, that's exciting. So yeah. I'm not really sure what's left for me to do. I feel like I've done so many things, but I'm sure there's always something new probably up there. So, uh, yeah. So, there's always a new frontier somewhere. A new frontier. Yes. And yeah. so, um, you know, I feel like I've done a lot of uh, the esoteric projects i i've had these yeah, experiences yeah. where i've i've met energy and it's like whoa you know yeah. it's like this god presence this um uh yeah. really i agree it, it feels almost done to death now i like i like your idea of um the medical approach i've only done a couple on that myself mm -hmm. but i see that there could be huge scope for using these skills on on that kind of work, you know, with the right people, right? Ethically done in the right, you know, in the right ways. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not being done yet, but I could see that there could be great scope for investigation, research, experimentation um, with these skills. So, yeah, I think I think that would be a good a good step forward, a good a good way to go. Yeah, I've always like wanted to do that as well, but it's like finding people who are in the medical profession yeah, yeah. who are amenable to which i, I haven't know. managed to do yet i mean yeah. at least i know you're a doctor so you're literally like yeah doing but i don't know if you have to but... be in the medical field but like when i scan or i see people like that i do some i do go through this through this process of it is kind of like an x-ray or an mri i'll see mm -hmm. it like that and then since i understand the interpretation of that i'll be like okay but it's similar yeah, to energy yeah. interpretation right so like the dark color means this and the white yeah. color means that um and then you're also intuiting that right you're feeling this is this is foreign yeah. to the body this is a growth this is not of mm. this is or now we're going to get on to the alien thing this is not oh, of earth this yeah. is implanted this is you know um, wow i've never seen one of those before you'll have to send me a couple of those targets <laughs> yeah never? when <laughs> when i do the medical stuff i see just like a body that's kind of transparent with the organs and it's like flipping it between like oh let's look at musculoskeletal let's look at all the squishy yeah. bits let's look at the brain let's look at you know and because i'm not a medical professional i'm often find myself going it's really squishy it's too wet that's what's wrong yeah. it should be less wet and it's like i don't have the technical language even though i can and then you know i go google it for half an hour and i'm like oh it's this you know but yeah. it's much harder for me to understand what's going on necessarily but i can still like okay where the problem is because it lights up red i can just see it red mm -hmm. you know yeah. and it's okay and um, it's probably enough right yeah i mean like i in select cases will go into the mind of people and i've i know at least dad's probably has seen some sessions where i've done that maybe not um where i kind of um go into the the person's mind and and i can sense certain things about them um yeah. and so um going back to the case that, that we were talking about earlier from the extraordinary project i could tell that that individual had some learning challenges there was like fogginess to the brain um and and you're but you're right david like i was kind of writing down diagnoses like it feels like this yeah. and that mm. oh i still do that it's just i shouldn't oh you know, yeah 
it's it's like going to the doctor hello i've self-diagnosed on the internet and they're like oh god right <laughs> right well i think whenever i, I think it's kind of right? like i mean if you're feeling a growth right mm-hmm. if you're feeling something mm-hmm. move or you're feeling a protrusion that's not uh, um then that's not from the normal state that i think you can yeah. you know you're the, okay i have an example of a weird mm-hmm. thing which mm-hmm. might give some people a chuckle which mm-hmm. is me and some of the discord guys did a um testicular cancer screening session with remote viewing mm-hmm. um and all of us did not have testicular cancer but i detected vasectomy and i was like that's wow a-. and i was like have you had a vasectomy? What am I looking at? And he's like, I did. And I'm like, whoa, I'm going to give myself 10 remote viewing points. Yeah. For no- and I was like, <laughs> that usually is, that's like dark red when it's the problem. And it's like, white. You know, it's it's like information, there's something unusual, but it's not a health hazard, right? Right. Um, which was, a, that is probably the subtlest medical <laughs> thing I've ever done. And I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with it because it's all so funny. Mm-hmm. So what you were doing is you were all sat around on Discord one night Looking at each other for <laughs> <laughs> Yes, does, but psychically. Okay. You know, I just want to put not, that out there. We didn't not not on camera. We there wasn't any feedback provided. No, fortunately, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a meme there. You see so see yeah. you beat me. I haven't done that. I haven't I haven't yeah. I haven't there are huge applications, Dolly Phil, that uh, in those directions, you know, science and medical and experimentation yes. mm. and investigation that just, you know, the budgets haven't been there, the experts haven't been involved, so the research hasn't been done. And I think that's where we need to go next. You know, everyone's a bit the esoteric side. We've all done that to death. We now need to, you know, do some real applications. Yeah. And medical, you know, like, you know, like dementia, Alzheimer's, cancers, there's no reason why we can't, you know, look ahead mm. to the future and try to find some kind of medical applications to, to counter those kind of things. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, I mean, I'd be willing to do something like that. I have done stuff yeah. like that in the past, but, um, on a broader scale or, um, and then yeah. for the, for a research process, our, our purposes more focused to try to see yeah. what can we accomplish with this? Because Absolutely. Yeah. I know um, um, we've heard like Joe has has lowered blood pressure, right? He was viewing somebody and then he he was able to lower somebody's blood pressure, right? From the influencing or um, so you know, um, David, what is your uh, what is your next steps? Uh, for me, it's more corporate work because. I've decided I want to do this all the time, so it has to bring in an income and businesses where, you know, there's the intersection between I can use my skills and make a living and feed my kids because, mm-hmm. you know, a- appreciation and making the world a better place is great, but it's got no calories in and it doesn't fill the car up with fuel or put food on the table. So, yeah. um, and I found I'm really good at the business stuff as well because of my background in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, business like like you as a doctor you've got the language to look in the body and go oh i know what this is i really understand this i've got that with technical business problems so i found that i'm much better at it than i thought i would be um and it's a real value so that's that's where i'm going as my kind of priority i've just got some new business cards printed which are so cool look at look at these i got the if providence on (laughs) yeah show them again show them again because they're really nice 
I liked it. Just cover up my phone number at the bottom. So oh, yes. Which... Oh, <laughs> <bringing> <laughs> that. You know, that was done with AI. That was a um, Dali 3 or 4 or whatever it's on now did that. I said, make me a logo that's about like seeing hidden information. And it made all this really complicated stuff. So I said, make it simpler and put a triangle and a circle in there. And it just drew the, the eye of providence. And I said, okay. But yeah, so that that's my next things. Although I'm still interested in doing the R&D and all the other fun stuff. I'm doing bits of teaching and just lots of stuff in the background. But that's like my like focus of what I need to do rather than what I want to do. Not that I don't want to do it, you know, but like that has to be mm. top of the list. And are you so, working with corporate clients right now? Yeah. Okay. Just starting to. And so what kind of um, work are you doing, if you can talk about it? Uh, yeah, I'll talk about it generically. So, uh, right, let me think of, because I've done quite diverse things, like debt restructuring of all things, um, inf intellectual property, and to whom you might be able to sell it most effectively, and how you might package it up to be a compelling kind of value proposition people and you know which person is the best person to speak to to solve this problem will those people work together well can that person help or not um i want to get in into this company i've got six contacts who might know somebody there or be able to get me what i want who's gonna be able to do it all, all that kind of stuff I, I did one this week that was some some it was some intellectual property and it was selling into the automotive sector and i wasn't told that i was told like there's there's my p and i've got a list of 10 things which one's the best one on that list and that was it and i just went oh it feels automotive and the answer's bmw you know and the guy's like yes it is automotive and fine bmw it is then um so maybe in a few years we'll we'll get some feedback for that one um but yeah that sort of stuff and so it's still done blind um but in a much more like psychic reading kind of thing where it's a conversation and a, a back and forth rather than like doing really long paper sessions and then having that communication yeah. issue which i think is much more value for clients and it's easier for me as well because not only do i not have to write the session but i don't have to explain it to them either um and they can get a lot more individual small questions in there without like um having to formulate one question have me do like two hours work on it and provide this huge stack of junk you know, they can just say which one of these things, and I can go mm, six. There you go, and it's so much quicker and more efficient. And then we can delve into the details, and they can get confident that I'm actually on target by hearing me describe the stuff they haven't given me any information about. And it's it's quick and it's easy and it's powerful, and I'm like it can give you a real edge in business. So that's that's where I am and where I'm going at the moment. Daz, what are you up to? You're starting a course this weekend, aren't you? Isn't it Sunday? Your new training course starts. I do, yeah. Um, I never wanted to train people, ever. Um, <laughs> but the last few years, I've fallen into it, really. Yeah, I think I blame Dimmy, yeah. really. I think Dimmy started me off. She was like, help me out. I need some help. And I helped her, and she did well. And then it led yeah, to another really person. Well. And then another person, and then another. Then I trained 10 people last year um, in a new adapted CRV approach that, that I'm playing with. Um, and I've just had 11, uh, actually I had 15 people apply, but I can't do 15 at once. So I'm just doing, I'm doing 11 that start on Sunday, uh, for a year as well. So yeah, I'm moving more into training now. Um, but like yourself, you know, I got to a stage where after 20 odd years of doing RV, you got to a stage of, okay, I'm doing this 
full time, but not getting paid for it in any way. Um, and then slowly through Farsight and then, you know, through uh, Future Forecasting Group, it ended up being a, a full time job. So I am actually, you know, paid full time uh, for remote viewing services now. Not many people can, you know, claim that. And I have to be honest, you know, uh, I am on ve- uh, now, I'm on a very, very good wage for, for what I do. Um, but the next steps, I don't know. I have been toying with the idea of, not mo- actually, it's more than toying. Uh, I am going to set up uh, very soon something that might help you, David, and uh, well, help both of you, in fact. I'm going to set up uh, an agency offering remote viewing services to every facet of business and science but not you know i won't do personal stuff like find my cat or help (laughs) me find the missing person type thing it will be for you know people with proper technical business real world applications um and i'm going to uh offer curated remote viewers like yourselves that i find online that you know i feel capable of working projects uh where remote viewers get paid you know uh, a proper days or a proper hourly rate for their work like any other you know credible service out there uh so we become you know information we come become information specialists really we you know but you know I, I with what i do i won't term it remote you know like everyone else i won't term it remote viewing it'll be i've settled on the word intuition as being I'm not, gonna use that. Yeah. I'm not going to oh, use that. I'm going to use something like, I don't know, information consultants or something. Mm. And um, uh, So yeah, that's where I'm going to go. This year, I'm going to set up this. this, And I have to that's... be careful how I do it because I don't want it to be a, a com- competitor to, you know, future forecasting in any way. Um, I want to actually go for, for business and science and medical mm. clients. And maybe even, you know, as I said, other areas with like um, people with money funds as well. You know, where do we put our money? You know, ha, ha. you mean like is this the, angel investors and things? Angel investors, yeah. Is is this? Yeah, good, I think that's know. a really good one. Here we're all like, yeah, yeah that's a great idea. Pretty, and you know, I've, yeah, uh, I have dealt with angel <laughs> investors. Yeah, I've, I've dealt with angel investors in the past, and you know, I, at one point I did raise a million pounds worth of angel investment funding for for an idea that came off the back of a psychic uh, dream. Um, so yeah, those kind of areas. So that yeah, that's my goal. My goal this year is to set up. Uh, a project that then allows other people and remote viewers uh, within the community to actually start uh, making a full-time wage from from remote viewing services. I think that'd be great. So, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. And it, you know, talking about how much you get paid, I mean that 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 just varies so much from individual. It shouldn't yeah. it really? Sh- well, I mean, there are people that like yourself that have been doing it for so many years, and your work is phenomenal so um but you know it'd be nice if we had a kind of baseline of what we yes. can be paid mm. that, yeah that people yeah. just can't go below that you know absolutely yeah and we need to we need to all get together in fact maybe yeah. i i can teach you guys offline about this yeah about let's do that try to a union out, yes yeah trying to work out what this rate will be as well oh um because at the moment you know oh well david's working for for me and then for crypt uh for future forecasting mm-hmm. getting paid for arv work um but i don't think you know I, I don't think the rates are good i mean it's a good rate for what they're doing which is the minutes work <laughs> but yeah. i don't think the rates are a good rate all told you know i think uh 
I think we can, as as people, provide really good yeah. services and yeah. really good qualified information. And I think that I think people who have the money should pay it, pay the proper yeah. dollar price for that. I mean, so that that particular project you just mentioned there is paying me three thousand dollars an hour. The only problem is there's not very much hour. Three thousand dollars, right? Yeah, um, but it's only a minute's what, work. Yeah. A minute, <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. Daz, you didn't ask me. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm sad. But... I put out a public. I put out a public post. Yeah, so I got. Yeah, so they literally they're doing idiot. They're doing ARV, but it's all I want off them is one ideogram, so it's one minute. Oh, you know, okay. they just give me one ideogram, and that and that that's it. That's that's, that's pretty the project. Cool, actually, yeah. Mm. Um, we did. But a, yeah, if so you listen to last week's show. Uh, no, the week before last, we did making money with remote viewing, mm-hmm. and Daz talks about his ideogram ARV thing, and it's great. It, like it works as well or better than normal ARV, and it's so much easier for everybody. It's just mm-hmm. so much less hassle. Mm. It's a good approach. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I definitely love to talk to you guys after this about about that topic of um yeah i'll hear you guys up and as i said it's something that i've been thinking about doing uh, so let's get together and do it but definitely need to talk about things like rates because you know, mm-hmm. we want it yeah we don't want everyone to be competing competing against each other as well we want everyone to say okay this is the rate we're going to accept yes you want the information that's what you pay i think just like doing the missing persons yeah. stuff for free though you know sometimes it feels ethically like is it, is it appropriate to charge here? I think it's a real difficult area to say like our oh, remote viewing yeah. should cost this, right? And what if I'm a real specialist in something and you know that I'm going to make you insane crazy money? Well, no, I'm going to charge you more because I'm providing more value. Yeah. Um, around here, lots of people keep chickens, and so they sell the eggs just by the by the gate, and it it kind of they ch- they sell them cheap because it's just a hobby, right? And they just need to make enough money to buy a bit of chicken feed so you can buy really good quality eggs really cheap just from the gate and then where you've got small farmers doing it where it's their livelihood they have to sell the eggs for much more and they're being undercut by the hobbyists who are just like not having to follow the same rules and stuff and it's um i think that same thing applies in the esoteric world because there's so many people who either don't do it full time and you know they just have a normal day job and then come home and do a bit of astrology or tarot or whatever and they don't care what they charge. And then there's also this kind of toxic idea that, you know, it should always be free, you know, mm. um, that you should never charge any money. You should never benefit from it. And like we talked about, it's our, it's our time. It's our life we're giving away. You well, know, yes. I only have a finite amount of yes. hours in my life. About that. And if you want yeah. me to give those hours to you and fill them with all my skills that I've spent years working really hard mm-hmm. while everybody laughs at me in order to learn, then you should pay me. You know, yeah. it's not unreasonable, is it? Yes, and we talked about that before you guys started recording briefly, but, um, yeah. uh, you know, when I first started remote viewing, it really didn't dawn on me that I was losing an hour of my life. And then mm-hmm. in, as I started doing this more and more and more for so many years, I just, th- you know, for some of these sessions that are just hours and hours long, I, I can't, I don't get that time back. And Absolutely. I need yeah. to, I don't, I mean, yeah, and it's not just the hour of your life as well. It's the twenty years of research that you've had to do right. to get to the level of where you are. You know, exactly. it's like a, it's like a medical doctor or something. Right. I know, I know, we haven't got the qualifications, but we're putting in the same amount of dedication, research, and time as you would to become, you know, a, a heart doctor or something like that. You know, decades yeah, yeah. of work. 
I had this when I was a software engineer because there's no real qualifications. And, but the actual amount of learning that you have to do is equivalent to a seven-year degree, you know, because it really does yeah. take a long time to get good at it. But there's no, so everybody in that industry has imposter syndrome because there's no qualification you can get that proves that you can actually do it and that you've, yeah. you've jumped through the hoops because the industry moves so quickly that, that you can never write a qualification for it because everything in there will be out of date by the time, yeah. you know, anybody finishes doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same issue. I think we should wrap this up unless either of you guys want to, uh, I mean, we don't have to, we can go on as long as we want, but. We've been on like an hour and three quarters, oh, so we should probably... Okay. Um, do you it's guys want to chat? Yeah, we'll definitely uh, yeah, get her off fun. there, but we'll also have to get Elisa back on at a later day. And, uh, yeah, Elisa, if, uh, if any listeners for wanted to... to... For this first. Oh, hey, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's a special, important yeah. topic of missing persons. I feel honored to be able to speak about my experiences with that with you guys. Well, we've, we've really enjoyed it. With you. Next time I better have a glass of wine too. <laughs> Although it's, you know, early here. So it might be yeah. early for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then we'll get all the really weird stories. Yeah. yeah, we'll get the good ones then. Have we got Lisa's contact details? Do we want to read anything out or are we just going to put it with Yeah, is there anything there? that you um, want to promote or if people would like to get in touch with you, are you to open to that? They can just email me at... Um, Elisa, E-L-I-S-A dot Lagana, so it's L-A-G-A-N-A at gmail.com. So they could just use cool. that one for right now. Yeah. Sweet. Well, or, we'll leave that in the part, and then we won't put it in the description because if you put email addresses in there, they get hoovered by spam bots yeah. and stuff. Oh, so yeah, that, that way, only the really dedicated folks who listen to the yeah. end and will be the ones who can email you. To how fast I was doing that or how slow. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, if somebody wants to get in contact with me, they can just contact me, guys, or somebody. Be happy to speak yeah. to them. Sweet. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us, Elisa. It's been thank great. You for having me. Um, it's been great. And we're going to have to come back regularly now. Okay. All right, guys. There's more that we haven't talked about. All right. I'll, I'll prepare right. my stories for next time then. <laughs> oh, super. Well, thank you everyone for listening and uh, good night or good morning or whatever it is. Bye. <laughs>